0: the dan bongino show get ready to hear the truth about america with your host dan bongino all right welcome to the dan bongino show producer joe how are you today i'm doing well dan it's a pleasure to be here Another stacked news day, a lot to talk about. The Dems trying to run interference again on the media leak story. I got to get into that. Another terrific piece by Lee Smith. And I want to get into some other news, uh, more uh, outrageous liberal insanity. Ladies and gentlemen, they are losing their minds, and it's (laughs) reminding me um, of where they were after uh, George H.W. Bush had won the presidency after two terms of Ronald Reagan, where they completely <laughs> lost their minds, uh, broke with reality. And as a result, the Democrat uh, leadership committee came in and had to rebuild the Democrat party back on the mound of sanity again and started nominating people uh, like a uh, you know Bill Clinton type who, despite his moral failings, was a little more of a uh, centrist type Democrat. Mm. Uh, they are really in a lot of trouble right now. So we'll get to some of that, too. A lot to talk about today um, today. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at My Patriot Supply. Ladies and gentlemen, as you well know, it is hurricane season and the time for emergency preparedness is now. It's not after disaster strikes. It is important. In recent weeks, we've seen a couple of hurricanes, uh, flooding and numerous wildfires. Disasters for many, unfortunately. Widespread disaster can strike, too. Earthquakes, solar flares, cyber attacks can knock out the electric power in your house for, for weeks it says for millions for weeks. I thought it says for millions of weeks. That would be really bad, but it can knock out power <laughs> for weeks. That's a serious problem. Yeah. Maybe months when there's no power refrigeration fails uh, stores close. Then what if those if they can't get food back on the shelves would be in a lot of trouble. You need a plan to make sure there's food in your house stocked away for an emergency. I use my Patriot supply for my food storage. You should too. I buy it myself. I have gosh tons of it in my closet. I have one for me two weeks supply for my family and every member. He Each person in your household should have at least a two-week emergency food supply for My Patriot Supply. This week, they have a special price. It's only $75 for a food kit. A two-week supply contains 92 servings of breakfast, lunches, and dinners. Call 888-411-8926 or go to preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. The food lasts up to 25 years in storage. It's only $75. That includes a rugged tote. Order now, 888-411-8926 or preparewithdan.com. 888 411 8926 or preparewithdan.com. Don't miss out on the special deal. Okay. Um, just a couple of quick stories before I get into the just astonishing uh, attempts at the, these. You know, I, you almost Joe, have to admire the Democrats. The gall on these guys, they just, wh- mm. and, and when I say admire, I don't mean that in a qualitatively good way. I mean like you stand in awe of of the just moral depravity, the uh, the moral and ethical vacuum they live in. They are so completely busted on this entire Spygate scandal. Plan A, the unmaskings um, and the uh, and the probability of queries into the NSA database. Plan B, the setup operation. Plan C, the sweep up operation. And now I'm going to add Plan D to this for those of you who caught last week's show. Plan D, which is the media cons- uh, conspiracy to cover this thing, cover their tracks and constantly backtrack on old stories to make believe old stuff didn't happen wait what hang tight plan d will make sense but it's just amazing the cojones on these people they are so (laughs) just know this and i don't want i want you to take a little solace in this because when i'm done explaining it'll make sense how awful these people are just know this that if you believe in a higher power, which I do, I'm not a preacher. It's not a preacher show. I'm not your pastor, your rabbi, your imam or anything else. Bye-bye. I'm just suggesting that I, I know a lot of this is depressing at the end of the day. Matter of fact, even my wife said to me last night watching Papadopoulos on Hannity. She's like, is anything going to happen? I said, I know this. Things are happening. They may not be happening that fast. Is anything severe going to happen to the perpetrators? This I don't know. But I know this. I will one day be answering to a higher power. And I know this to all you liberals, police theaters, media conspirators in this, and all of you really awful, disgusting, horrible people who perpetrated one of the greatest violations and scandals in U.S. history. I know this. I'm not you. I am not you. I will never be you. You're filth. Mm-hmm. I know you're filth. What you did was disgusting. What you did was horrible. And I know you have to wake up every morning looking in the mirror knowing you're you. Hmm. You know, I have this guy who goes after me all the time on, on Twitter. And he's, I'm not, I am not mean, I'm not just saying he's to be a jerk. But he if there was a definition of loser in the dictionary, this guy's it. I mean, I'm talking about real, like, crime, abusing women. Like, he's a really awful guy. I only know him, and I'm not going to say how because I don't want to give him that. But it's just, I, I always think to myself, like, you have to wake up every morning taking solace in the fact that you're not him. Like, he has to be him every day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's his his punishment is being him. This is the, you know, the, not that I'm avoiding legal punishment, not that Wax philosophic, but I'm just really pissed about what's going on. But I want you to know, yeah. just smile a little bit. You are not these idiots. These people are epic losers. Corrupt, morally absent people. They have no values at all. And what they're doing now to cover up Plan D, the media cover up, is just incredible. All right, Um, before I get to that, uh, so one quick note on economic news, something to smile about, too. I have a story in the Washington Examiner today, which is really good, which kind of doubles down on something I brought up yesterday about tax cuts 2.0. The Republican Party has now put out a platform for tax cuts 2.0, doubling down on the Trump tax cut plan that it, that had it already passed. Now, this is important. Because the entire premise of Democrat and liberal uh, and media opposition to the tax cuts plan originally, Mm -hmm. Joe, was that these tax cuts were not permanent on the income side, but they were permanent on the corporate side. As I said yesterday, the Republicans now have them in a corner because they are likely to put a bill out there that is going to make the income taxes permanent on the uh, on the personal side. And the Democrats that ranted and raved, oh, my gosh, they're not permanent for us, but they are for businesses are now going to be exposed for the complete utter frauds they are they stand for nothing they're frauds now what's even better about this is the examiner piece lays it out with specific accusations the democrats made one of them joe well the tax cuts plan the initial one it, joe it's not a tax it's not a tax cut it's actually a tax hike oh now joe if you're saying as you're questioning me how's that dan how is it a tax hike if it's a tax cut that, that that's what i was thinking dan the reason they said that is because they obstructed making the tax cuts permanent. So in uh, 10 years, in that 10-year window, when the tax cuts expired because the Democrats wanted them to expire, they were alleging that your taxes would go up again. Ladies and gentlemen, if this is not the most warped, but again, this shows you the moral vacuum these idiots live in. There are This was a serious argument these morons made. Mm. We are going to block, this is the Democrats, we are going to block making the tax cuts permanent. As we blocked them, the Republicans responded by making them temporary, figuring something's better than nothing. Right, Joe? Yeah. The Democrats then responded by saying because those tax cuts are temporary on the personal side because we blocked them, your taxes are going to go up when they expire at at the end of the 10-year window. And therefore, it's actually a tax hike. If you're pulling your hair out trying to understand the idiots that reside on the left side of the political aisle, please stop. Least that you will lose IQ points trying to figure these people out. It is not possible. They are not figure outable. And the Washington Examiner piece lays out some actual quotes of Democrats saying that the tax cut, Joe, was in fact a, ta- a tax hike using the same perverse, bizarre, stupid logic uh, that you just heard. Mm hmm. <sighs> I woke up very upset this was about a number of things. After watching Papadopoulos's interview, that's on Hannity, I'm even more fired up. Okay, point number two: the quits rate in the economy. Another piece I have up there at the uh, in the show notes today, Pongino.com. Please check it out. The quits rate's gone up. Now you may say, "Well, why is that good? People quitting their jobs?" No, no, folks, that's great news. How is that great news? The quits rate is a measure of frictional unemployment. Frictional unemployment is a good thing. And well, not always, but frictional unemployment is a good thing for the workforce, not necessarily for employers. Frictional unemployment, the quits ratio is people who leave their jobs, not because they got fired, but they leave their jobs for better jobs. (laughs) You you track it? They want to move up. Right, right, right. It's called frictional unemployment because it's not you losing your job. It's you uh, unemployed only in that temporary period where you leave one job and go to another one. So frictional unemployment is actually at times could be a measure of economic health, not a measure of an economic downturn. Why? Because Armacost, are you going to leave your job if there's not a better one out there for you? Not a trick question. No, you're not. Of course, no. you're going to stick with the job you have now. But when the economy's humming along, and Joe's a talented guy, listen. I love Joe. Joe's been with me forever. But I have to. I have to pay Joe competitively. If I don't pay him, he's going to go take another job. I mean, really, friendship only <laughs> goes so far. I mean, I wouldn't be mad at him either. If Joe goes, hey, I got another job for, you know, half a million dollars. I, I'd say, you listen, you're an idiot not to take it. Go jump on that, buddy. I mean, seriously, <laughs> I like Joe enough where I'd I'd respect that. But frictional unemployment and the, and the rate of quitting in the economy for another job, obviously, as I just told you, are married together. Because it's the unemployment period, a rough proxy of the unemployment period that someone has when they leave one job and they take another. When that rate goes up, Joe, that quits rate, it's important okay. because it means that people are getting better jobs. Now, why does that matter? It matters because another one, notice the theme of my show for the last few days, debunking liberal garbage. And believe me, liberal garbage is everywhere. Everywhere you turn, there's liberal garbage. Mm -hmm. This is going to have a dramatic effect on wages soon. The Democrats have been complaining that wages aren't going up. That is nonsense. The wages are going up. The Commerce Department, the Employment Cost Index have both reported wages going up at a a dramatically higher rate than under the Obama administration. Granted, inflation is wiping out some of those gains, but that inflation is largely due to Obamacare and health care costs. And the rate is still higher than it was under the Obama administration. So your argument that wages aren't going up, your question should be compared to what? Right, Joe? Compared to what? Yeah. Wages aren't going up compared to what? The Obama years? No, no. You're absolutely categorically wrong. Wages are going up at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. I bring this up because that frictional unemployment rate and, rate and that, qu- uh, that quit rate, as they go up, Joe, it means people are leaving for higher paying and better jobs. Mm-hmm meaning those numbers are going to filter through the economy in the coming months, and you are going to see, I think, pretty dramatic wage increases. Again, that's not, uh, to be candid, if you understand even you know, even basic uh, tenets of economics, that's not great for employers. You know why, Joe? Because, yeah. you know, I mean, most employers don't want to pay. Wages are a cost like anything else. Right. You're going to lose, and you, you stand the possibility of losing good employees as well. Uh, uh, yes, bingo. Yeah. Not only do you lose good employees, but the ones you bring in to replace them, you got to pay there more. There you go. Now, a healthy economy—that's the back and forth. That's always been the argument of a free market capitalist. Mm-hmm. That when the economy, you know, the the uh, the Marxist nonsensical idiots who advocate socialism, be like the bourgeoisie, the you know this this class, they, the, this this class of employers, yeah. these these free market uh, capitalists—they abuse the workforce. You know what? I got news <laughs> for you: the real power in a growing economy is with the employee, not the employer. But again, don't leave that up to socialists to understand because they don't even understand basic economics. But now employees are going to start demanding more money. So important number. Don't forget it. Um, I wanted to make sure I got that out in the beginning of the show because the midterm elections are coming up, folks. If you don't vote, we're in a world of trouble. A world of trouble. Mm -hmm. There are 27 more uh, district court judges, one more circuit court judge to be appointed. We have Kavanaugh. We need we need to hold the Senate. We need to hold the Senate. It is critical. We need to hold the House, too. But if we lose the Senate, we are in a world of trouble. And for all my beefs with the Republican Party, and folks, believe me, they are legion. I'm telling you, there is no, no Democrat I would choose over even the worst Republican right now in the Senate. None. None. Under any circumstances. There are no Democrat. If you're in West Virginia and you think, oh, you know, Joe Manchin, he's a nice guy. He's a friend. He may be a wonderful guy. He is not going to vote with you like Morrissey. If you in Indiana, if you think, oh, you know, what is it, Mike Braun and Joe Donnelly, you know, Donnelly's a nice guy. He's a bipartisan. No, he's not. On every critical issue that matters to you, Joe Donnelly, Joe Manchin, Heidi Heidkamp, and Claire McCaskill in Missouri. Uh, uh, will 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 absolutely vote against your interests. Make no mistake. Not only that, they'll be insulated by another six-year term, folks. I'm begging you, if you listen to this show, we have a substantial enough audience, thanks to your goodwill and support of my content here, a substantial enough audience to make a difference in elections. Mm-hmm. I don't say that out of any error, pretension at all. It is your doing, not mine. You like the content, you spread the word, and it's been going great. I am humbly imploring you to stop voting on this personal characteristics. By the way, having run for office and met a lot of these guys up in D.C., I can tell you 90% of them are not good guys anyway, or women. They are there for themselves. So if you're voting on personal characteristics, forget it. I'm not vouching for any of them personally. All I'm telling you is the votes matter. Remember the new rules here. The new rules are we win on the issues, you lose. We win on Trump, you lose. If you vote for these Democrats thinking they're nice guys, they're bipartisan, you are wrong. They are not. McCaskill, Heidkamp, Donnelly, Manchin have got to go. Bill Nelson in Florida has got to go. We must hold on to the Senate. We must stop believing this rank hypocrisy one more note on this in case you're saying to yourself oh no no i mean i met joe manchin i, I met heitkamp mm-hmm. uh, because unbelievably they're running neck and neck in the polls how is joe manchin a committed democrat running neck and neck in the polls in west virginia a state that shares conservative values how is that happening oh he's a nice guy who cares who cares seriously who cares I have a doctor I go to I'll be honest with you, he's not a nice guy matter of fact he's kind of a jerk when I meet him but you know what he does really good work and I've gone back to him multiple times mm-hmm. I'm not going to say who it is not that it's not you you know who I'm you know who I'm talking about because you listen to my show it's another guy but who cares not my it's not my California buddy <laughs> I feel bad because he listens it's not you trust me it's someone else but who cares if they're nice guys? Now, I bring this up to tie up the tax cut story. Folks, why is tax cuts 2.0 important? Why is it important if it's not going to pass? It's important because it gets the Democrats on the records being a total fraud. The tax cuts were temporary. Okay, let's make them permanent. Let's not make them permanent. You just complain they were temporary. Yeah, but we were just kidding. It was a partisan talking point. Yeah, we figured that. Mm-hmm. We figured that. You're a bunch of losers. We're not surprised by that. Now, why isn't it going to pass, Joe? It'll pass in the House. It's not going to pass because in the Senate, the Democrats have threatened to block it. And unlike the reconciliation procedure, this is going to get complicated. But if you understand this, you understand the deviousness of the Democrat Party these days and what complete, utter, total frauds they are. Okay. The reason tax cuts 1.0 passed was because the Republican Party had to use reconciliation in the Senate to get around a Democrat filibuster threat, which to use reconciliation, they had to make the tax cuts temporary. Got that? Understood. The reason we have to hold the Senate is precisely because Manchin, Heidkamp, McCaskill and Donnelly will all filibuster tax cuts 2.0 as well. They can't use reconciliation to make them permanent. So the GOP has already acknowledged that this bill, however good it is, and it's terrific, Tax Cuts 2.0, Joe, is dead Mm -hmm. in the water. Why? Because the Democrats are threatening the same thing they did with Tax Cuts 1.0. With the Senate Democrats, notably the ones you think are good guys, some of you, not all of you, they're not good guys or women. They're terrible. They vote awful they are not for you and your values, are threatening again to get in the way of tax cuts 2.0, and therefore they can't use reconciliation again to make them permanent. That's why it's dead in the water. Folks, I hate the wonkery of Senate and House mechanics, and I rarely get into it because, candidly, it's boring. Mm -hmm. It's not boring in this case Hmm. because the mechanics expose the hypocrisy. When you can explain to your liberal friends that the Republicans passed the tax cuts because they had to get around a Democrat filibuster using reconciliation. And that's the reason that the tax cuts are temporary. Do you understand your liberal friends have nowhere to go, but you're a racist. They don't have anything else because that's a fact. That's what happened. And when you say to them with tax cuts 2.0, well, I assume being that you're complaining the tax cuts were temporary, that you're going to support tax cuts 2.0, which makes them permanent, and you're going to push Democratic senators to vote for it in swing states. I guarantee you, your liberal friends will be like, no, I'm not going to push for that. But you just complained about them being temporary. They won't. And I assure you, McCaskill, Manchin, Donnelly, and others will not vote to make them permanent and will be complete, total frauds on it. Why? Because they're Democrats, Remember the line, folks, and don't ever forget this. The real problem up on the Hill can be summed up in this one Bonginoism here. Most Republicans up on the Hill are really Democrats. On spending, on the economy, most Republicans are really Democrats. Bingo! No Democrats are really Republicans. Don't ever ever forget that my experience with this and talking to these people in the back of cars and other events driving around my experience with these people shows many i shouldn't say most many republicans i'm assuring you are really democrats they think the pro-life movement is a pain in the butt they're for open immigration they're for endless spending they have zero commitment whatsoever to controlling government spending most republicans many are really democrats no democrats are really republicans that's the problem And that's why the Democrats absolutely have to go out of the Senate. Get rid of them. Do not vote for them, please. I'm begging you. All right, I want to get into this story because this is really fascinating. And Lee Smith at uh, Real Clear Investigations did an absolutely fantastic job exposing the two-phase leak operation that the government's been involved in, and now the cleanup operation too, which is basically Plan D, and how the media is so knee-deep in this, especially this Adam Entios guy, who is just is a horrifying example of the lack of journalistic standards in today's media. Uh, Before we get to that, um, today's show also brought to you by our buddies at Skillshare, my family loves this. My wife uses Skillshare for anything related to websites, even for information on podcasts. You want to learn how to start a podcast? Skillshare can help you out. My daughter was using it uh, to learn French. It's really terrific. It's an online learning platform with over 20,000 classes in business design, technology, and more. These are really well put together classes, by the way, folks. I've watched YouTube. I know some of those times you go on, you can't hear the video. It's a grainy set, not Skillshare. This is high-end stuff. You can take classes in social media marketing, data science, mobile photography creative writing you name it they've got it like i said my family uses it for any everything from french to our podcast to my wife learning little website tricks so whether you're trying to deepen your professional skill set start a side hustle or just explore a new passion Skillshare is here to keep you learning and thriving. Join the millions of students already learning on Skillshare today with a special offer—a uh, special offer just for you, my listeners. Get two months of Skillshare for just ninety-nine cents. That's right. Skillshare is offering the Dan Bongino Show listeners two months of unlimited access to over twenty thousand classes for just ninety-nine cents. Think about that. I mean, considering what you would pay for an advanced college education, this is this is a steal. To sign up, go to Skillshare.com slash Bongino. Again, go to Skillshare.com slash Bongino to start your two months now. That's Skillshare.com slash Bongino. Skillshare.com slash Bongino. They're really great. Check them out. You will not be disappointed. These are really high quality, great videos. Okay, so um, Lee Smith on it again. Hat tip, Lee, for your great work in exposing the media's role in this operation. Yeah, baby. Yeah. The article will be up at the show notes today. It's from Real Clear Investigations from Lee, and it describes this deep media uh, involvement in this quagmire of what's gone on with the uh, operation to take down Donald Trump. Now, just to get backtrack a bit to where we were, we did a show the other day talking about the multi-tiered plan to take down Trump and how the plan had to change as conditions on the ground changed. Plan A by the Obama administration to take down the Trump team was unbelievable. unmasking, in other words, spying on them and then unmasking the recipient of the call. So Joe is, uh, you know, you're part of the Obama administration. Mm -hmm. Uh, They they have they were listening uh, clearly at this point, the Trump team members, conversations with foreign people. Uh, people outside the country and they were unmasking the identities trump team members that's a fact we already know that we have yeah. evidence of it of course in the mike Flynn case the unmaskings were at coming in at historic numbers and they were being done by people joe who had little to no nexus with the intelligence community and law enforcement at all notably samantha power who was a uh, the united states ambassador to the un what was she doing unmasking the identity basically listening in on the calls of United States uh, or getting the data on calls from United States citizens. What were they doing, Joe? So that's Plan A. Plan A was shut down when Mike Rogers from the NSA notices that not only uh, are there issues with the the database that's used to query a lot of this stuff, but a lot of the access has been given to private contractors and these private contractors are abusing their access even after their FBI mission's up. So you can listen to the show where I cover that in more detail. Plan A gets shut down when Rogers shuts down access. Mike Rogers in the NSA, who, who I believe is going to turn out in the end to be a real hero. in this. Plan B is the setup operation, the setup of Papadopoulos, the approaches by Stefan Halper, the approach by uh, Alexander Downer, the approach by Mifsud, all suspicious approaches with connections, people with connections to the intelligence community and people with suspicious connections to the Hillary Clinton operation. Mm hmm. Plan C After Trump shockingly wins the election They're in a lot of trouble They know they're in a lot of trouble They need a clean up operation Again, clean up on aisle four Bob Mueller comes to the rescue He comes storming out of the back room Like I used to in key food with my mop I mean, You know, I, listen, I mopped You know, get a mop Remember that show? But uh, I mopped up a lot of messes Mueller comes in to clean up the mess is knee-deep in DOJ and FBI connections. He comes in to clean up the garbage and make sure in the end that the attention is kept exclusively on Donald Trump. Why? To keep it away from DOJ and FBI malfeasance. They do not want this thing exposed. Now, pursuant to Lee Smith's article today, we're going to introduce Plan D. Plan D is a coordinated effort... By people within, by the way, Adam Entios, who's knee deep in this, one of the reporters, calls this a conspiracy theory. Again, proving my point that people like Entios were knee deep in an actual conspiracy to get information out there about the Trump team. They remember they always accuse you of what they do themselves. So Plan D is a media effort in collusion with leaks from the DOJ and the FBI, a media effort to get stories out there that are unfavorable to the Trump administration. Mm -hmm. That's phase one. Phase two is as the Spygate scandal is exposed to constantly put back and uh, a push back and change the narrative. So I want to be clear where we are. Plan D has two small portions. It has phase one and phase two. Plan D is the media leak operation. You get it? Phase one of the media leak operation. Mm -hmm. Disrupt the Trump agenda no matter what. That happens during the campaign, Joe, and that happens during the transition, and it happens early in the Trump presidency. Phase two of Plan B is to constantly change the narrative to cover the FBI and DOJ's tracks. Now, I want to get into some stories which Lee Smith's piece lays out, media stories, folks, showing you how there was a coordinated effort between leakers and the DOJ and the FBI. This is not open for dispute, by the way. When I surmise and and I'm, I'm speculating on things, I tell you that. These are actual stories that were printed. Joe, are we clear on this? That involve leak in, leaked information that the media would not have had unless they had an asset inside of the government. Let's be absolutely 100% crystal clear. This is not speculation at all. Here are the stories about Plan D. Again, the media, FBI, uh, DOJ operation. Story number one. The dossier publishing. This happens early on in the summer of the campaign, as it's heating up, as Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton are going at it. Story number one is the leaking of details in the dossier: mm-hmm. allegations of uh, Trump connections, business connections to Russians, allegations of collusion. Joe, this is important. Okay, allegations that only appear in the dossier. Uh-huh. Now, to be fair here, mm-hmm. Fusion GPS may have leaked a lot of this and most likely did leak a lot of this to the media. So story one, we can't conclusively pin on the on, uh, DOJ and the FBI. You see what I'm saying, Joe? Fusion mm-hmm. GPS yeah. and Christopher Steele, which had put together this dossier, were known to have leaked information to the media themselves. So that yeah. they didn't have to go to the FBI to do that. Now, there are quotations from senior government officials and other things like that, but story one, the leak of the dossier, which keep in mind, folks, has been almost entirely discredited. Outside of tangential, unrelated, unimportant details like Carter Page traveled to Russia. So what? Millions of people travel to Russia. That doesn't mean anything. Right. The leaking of the dossier story is media effort number one to damage Trump during this campaign and drop a hint that he may have been colluding with the Russians. Story number two. This is still in the damage Trump, uh, you know, phase phase one of Plan D, damage Trump. Mm-hmm. The Flynn leaks, January of 2017. There is absolutely no question David Ignatius from The Washington Post gets a hold of some classified information here, None. The January 2017 article about Mike Flynn and his conversation with Kislyak was, was a conversation about there's no way that confirmation that the confirmation that that call happened and the contents of that conversation or even allusions to it in Ignatius's piece would have happened without an exchange of classified information. Folks, you understand this? Flynn's conversation being monitored alone and the leaking of the conversation being monitored is a serious breach. Mm. What was discussed on the call, details of which start to appear later in Ignatius's piece, is a highly classified leak of an NSA intercept. Highly classified. How did he get that information and why was that information leaked? It's clear as day. Again, story one, the dossiers leaked to put out the story and to seed the media with the idea that Trump's colluding with the Russians based on the the farcical dossier. Story number two, Joe, about Flynn's conversation with the Russians is designed to seed again the Russian narrative while also doing significant damage to Mike Flynn. Mm -hmm. Okay. Story number three, we're still in uh, plan D phase one, disrupt the Trump agenda, make the collusion connection, damage Trump no matter what. But keep in mind, during this phase, media people still believe the collusion thing is real. Don't forget that. They still believe it's real. Because phase two won't make any sense if you don't understand that in phase one, while they're damaging the Trump agenda, Joe, Mm -hmm. the media still believes the collusion story is real. Why is that important here? Think about this, Joe. Think this through for a second, Mm -hmm. right? All right. For as awful as the media is, and believe me, they are awful. They're probably worse than many of you know. I mean, I had a deal with them running for office. They are some of the rudest, most obnoxious, most, some of the most ignorant people you've ever met. They would not, they're not stupid though. They're not hmm. stupid with regards to the business model. They're not going to print something knowingly false that they can't then retract later to save their Now, they'll print something false if they can hide it. Mm. I'm not trying to, please understand what I'm saying here. I'm not trying to say these are good people. I'm trying to say that they wouldn't print something knowingly false, knowing they'd have to retract it later. If they can hide it, they will. And if I can mm-hmm. get to the Kavanaugh story later about that, I will. Does that make sense, Joe? They're not going to yeah. print something that they have to embarrassingly retract later. The media at this point is running stories about the dossier, collusion, collusion with Flynn, collusion with others, because they really believe this story is true. That's the demarcation point between phase one and phase two. Phase two is when they realize this story is crap. And now it's like, again, clean up on aisle four. Story three, the FBI page investigation, the page FISA investigation leaks in April, April of 2017. This again is a story designed to seed the public. And again, Lee Smith's piece goes through this line by line. It's very good. This hmm. is designed to seed the public with the idea that Trump's presidency is illegitimate. This has been hatched by the Clinton team from the day after they lost the election. Uh, it, uh, Lee Smith quotes a book by an insider claiming that the day after Hillary loses Joe, this was an interesting point that John Podesta has a meeting with Hillary's communication team. After they lose, they decide that they're going to work strongly uh, together to hatch this Trump collusion story. Now, whether that author's right or not, I don't know. You can judge the veracity of those claims for yourself, but it's in, it's cited in Lee's piece. Mm. I given the history with the Clintons. I don't doubt it at all, but the FBI page story is story three. That the FBI is investigating Carter Page. Carter Page is linked to Trump. Uh-oh, look at this. Now's where the story starts to change. As Lee says, and he's right, and we've talked about this before, but Lee goes into absolutely excruciatingly good detail. This is when it changed to going on defense. What happens, Joe? How does Plan D, the media collaboration to take down Trump, turn from an operation to taking down Trump, phase one to phase two, where, uh-oh, we better start pushing back against transparency claims, because if, if, if the Republicans in Congress doing the investigating start having these documents exposed, what's going to happen, Joe? Mm-hmm. People are going to find out we were part of this whole thing. But what changed? The media starts to figure out that this collusion story is B.S. And it doesn't stand for Bill Sharkey. And by the way, a guy I was working out in the gym the other day came up to me, said his friend's name is Bill Sharkey, and he thinks I'm after. It is not you, Bill Sharkey. I had a friend, another friend, (laughs) the last name Bill (laughs) Sharkey. I swear. Guy comes up to me in the gym, he goes, you mentioned Bill Sharkey the other day. I got a friend named Bill Sharkey. It's not you, Bill, but thanks for listening. I promise. Have no fear. He's like, why does he hate him so much? I don't hate Bill Sharkey. There's another guy. (laughs) No, that's a true story. My buddy Andy at the gym. He's like, my friend thinks you were talking about him. like, I have no idea who that guy is, but thanks for listening. They realize the story's BS. They realize the Russian collusion story is BS. Now the media's got a problem, Joe. Why? Because for the last year, they yeah. have been printing articles sourced to senior government officials and there anonymous people claiming what? Trump's colluding with the Russians based on what? A dossier that they now find out is complete utter crap. Again, I'm bringing this up in light of the Democrats. Understand the bigger picture here. The Democrats are now trying to come back on offense again, saying the media leak strategy quotes yesterday by Peter Stroke. We got to develop a media leak strategy to DOJ. This was designed to curtail leaks. I'm laying out for you the leaks. What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm laying out for you leaks that actually happened. So, Democrats, please spare us the garbage, you complete frauds. I'm not interested. (laughs) at all okay now it switches to defense because they realize it's BS so what do they have to do Joe they now because they're They're Democrats. They're not real media people. They have to start to cover the DOJ and FBI's tracks because they don't want the devastating Spygate scandal to be exposed because the media has told us forever that the Democrats are on the side of like power to the people. They're fighting the man. Now it's apparent that the Democrats are the man right on. Yet they've weaponized government. They've weaponized the IRS. They've used government tools to spy on people. The very definition of what, quote, the man is, is the Democrats. So the media has to run cover. So now we get the story four. the media goes on defense and tries to run cover for the fact that their operation was spying on Trump and these idiots were a part of it. Story four is the December 2017 article from the New York Times saying Papa D did it. George Papadopoulos. Remember the story initially that the media had been putting out there. I just told you this story three was the April article before the December article, obviously April, you know, December's after uh, April, the April article that Carter page was a Russian spy. And that the FBI was spying on him. And this was the fight. That was the story, Joe. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? Joe, where did that information come from? The dossier Carter page is the dossier. The only credible allegations that Carter Page has done anything wrong are not from the FBI. He's never been charged, are in the crappy dossier Hillary paid for. So are we clear on this? The story. If you, This is where it moves to phase two. Uh-oh, no. we screwed up. Story three, they're still in phase one. They believe collusion is real. Look, collusion is real. They got this guy Carter Page hired on the campaign. The FBI spied on him. A judge must have approved the warrant. So this has to be real. It wasn't now oh my gosh oh what do we do now the dossier looks fake how did they get how did this happen we got worked we got totally worked we got played our sources are telling us this is real we were so hoping and praying it was real but it's not real and we already printed articles about how Carter Page is a Russian spy or alleged to be a Russian spy and what are we gonna do we're gonna look like idiots we've been propagating this nonsense forever it ain't cool being no jive turkey before Thanksgiving (laughs) my my favorite lines it ain't cool and they didn't know what to do so now Joe they have to switch the narrative they have to flip you they flip you for real (laughs) they've got to flip you they had to Mm -hmm. because they can't marry themselves to the Carter Page story they printed in April because it's in the dossier and now they find out the dossier's fake Folks, if you got to listen to today's show mm-hmm. twice, please do it, because it it I, I there's debunking liberal garbage is so easy. They're trying to backtrack on the fact now that this media leak strategy, these quotes, that they were about some media leak to prevent leaks. These leaks happen. So now another leak happens in story four to the New York Times saying, no, Papadopoulos did it. Folks, how would the New York Times find out about that? The answer is they would only find out from Peter Stroke's team. Did Stroke leak it directly? I'm not sure. But there is no way the New York Times would have found out about the investigation into Papadopoulos and the details of it if they didn't get it to the FBI. Why, Joe? Because the New York Times are not federal investigators. They did not conduct the investigation. They don't have the details. The details came from the FBI or the Department of Justice, period. Period. So stop telling me there was no media leak strategy. There was. What the text refers to is still an open question. I don't know exactly what they were referring to. But suggesting there was no media leak strategy, while I'm citing to you media leaks they could have only gotten to the FBI, makes you look like a complete buffoon. So story four is an effort to switch attention away from the dossier and on to Papadopoulos. What's the problem now, Joe? The problem they're having now with switching attention to the Papadopoulos story that he meets with Downer in this London uh, uh, pub for drinks, the Kensington Wine Room, is Papadopoulos is now out free to talk. And if you saw him last night on Hannity and his other appearances, Papadopoulos is vigorously denying that he had any conversation with Alexander Downer at all about Hillary Clinton's emails. And by the way, Downer is denying he mentioned Hillary's emails either. Hmm. Folks, please tell me you get this. The media is part of this. They are trying to actively run cover for the DOJ and FBI, but every time they change the story, a roadblock gets thrown up in their way. What's that roadblock, Joe? Facts. Mm -hmm. You cannot change in the past what actually happened. And Papadopoulos, who has shown, he admitted he lied to the FBI, he has shown no inkling of dishonesty on this subject at all, folks. He has admitted... Well, that's kind of an ironic thing to say. He admitted he lied while showing no inkling of dishonesty. (laughs) I mean in his telling of his role in this. He admitted he lied. He lied about his original contact with Mifsud. He has not been cryptic about that at all. He all... He, but he is sub, subsequently said while acknowledging he did not tell the truth about the date Miss Sud contacted him. He is also he is there is no evidence showing that he's lying about his interaction with Downer. In other words, if the New York Times story is correct and that the stories that the real origination of the FBI investigation wasn't Carter Page now, despite their own reporting in April that it was. If the real story now is what well, Papadopoulos met with Downer and they talked about Hillary's emails, Downer's saying they didn't talk about Hillary's emails. Papadopoulos is saying we didn't talk about Hillary's emails. I don't even remember anything about Hillary at all in this. Folks, aren't you, are, are you even remotely curious then why a case was opened up if there's no evidence that this actually happened? You may say, oh, no, there's evidence. It's out there. Okay, where is it? All right. Where is it? Why hasn't Bob Mueller produced it? Why did Bob Mueller, the only charge they have on him, was lying about his contact with Mifsud, the date of it, which he's already admitted to. There is no conspiracy allegation. There is nothing. There is no collusion allegation. There's no nothing. They've got nothing. George Papadopoulos is going to serve 14 days in jail for essentially nothing more than getting a date wrong on when he met this guy, Mifsud, who, by the way, is uh, whose friend Stephen Rowe is claiming is still alive um, and is a Western intelligence asset, Stefan Rowe. Mm -hmm. Folks, that story's falling apart too. Do you understand what they're doing here? The plan D is the media to help cover up the fact that they were investigating the Trump team for nothing. The first nothing was the dossier. The dossier fell apart, so they had to change the story for the FBI, which still won't disclose what paragraph one of their report says. What's paragraph one? How did this start? Then it was, oh no, Papadopoulos did it. He started talking about Hillary's emails with an Australian diplomat. Both people as a party to that, the Australian diplomat downer, and Papadopoulos now deny it. So now you get story five in media collusion. What's story five? The Washington Post starts running cover for Stefan Halper. Oh, man, Russian sources are drying up because the the uh, the horrible congressional Republicans have exposed Stefan Halper. Keep in mind, they never asked about Stefan Halper's name to be disclosed to congressional Republicans. That is actually an untruth by the Democrats. They did not ask that, Joe. They wanted to know if the FBI had sources, sources. They didn't demand the names working on uh, Carter Page. So what's the Washington Post's story? Oh, it had a chilling effect on sources. What are they doing there? Again, trying to run cover, Joe, Mm -hmm. for the operation. The United States government ran against Papadopoulos using a spy in Halper, trying to run cover there. They're trying to run cover there to get the congressional Republicans to not dig deeper. Oh, there's a chilling effect on spies overseas. In other words, don't you dare ask to declassify more or we'll accuse you of being anti-American. You see what they're doing here, Joe? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It is a huge scam. I just laid out for you five stories in two separate phases. First, let's advance the collusion narrative. Phase two is the, oh, crap, what do we do now? Collusion isn't real. Stage two, stories that were run to cover the collusion narrative and dissuade Republicans from digging any further and to change the story. Lee Smith lays this all out in his piece today. Folks, the problem the media is going to have now They can't unprint these stories. These stories about how Carter Page was a Russian spy, according to a fake dossier. These stories in the New York Times about how Papadopoulos and a night of heavy drinking, which is disputed by everyone, by the way. That they exchanged information with an Australian diplomat about Hillary's emails. It's not true. It didn't happen, according to the people who were actually there. And if the investigation into Papadopoulos was so serious that according to the New York Times, it started this, why didn't the FBI interview him until months later in January? Why did none of the information come in through official channels? None of it. If it was so important, why didn't Downer bring it up through official intelligence channels? The answer is because it wasn't important. It was crap information. He knew it. And I can almost guarantee you this Downer story is the next shoe to drop. It is a complete, total farce. It is entirely made up, just like the dossier. And the New York Times is not going to be able to unprint that December story. They're part of this, folks. There's no doubt. You can't unprint those stories. And remember, every time they call you a conspiracy theorist, know you're onto something. I'm telling you, especially people like Entios, Adam Entios. He's knee deep in this whole thing. He doesn't want his role exposed in this either. Mm. Okay, Um, finally, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Betterment. Hey, you're not the average investor. Why would you settle for average? We don't settle for average anywhere else, anywhere. No one wants an average car or an average performance in school. So why would you settle for average when it comes to investing? Don't do it. There's a smarter way to manage your money, Betterment. Betterment's an online financial advisor for people who refuse to settle for average. Don't do it. Don't settle for average. They use cutting-edge technology to build personalized portfolios and help you make more from your investments. Then they guide you along the way with advice to, make you, to help you make really smart financial decisions. All of this for one low transparent fee, which that we love. <laughs> Sometimes these fees, you're like, where'd that come from? All this for one low transparent fee. Plan for retirement, reach your financial goals, make the most of your money. Don't settle for average investing. Demand better. Investing involves risk. The Dan Bongino Show listeners can get up to one year managed free by visiting betterment.com slash Bongino. That's better M E N T. Betterment.com slash Bongino. That's betterment.com slash Bongino. Really, really important. Betterment.com slash Bongino. Remember, investing involves risk. So check it out. But this is one up to one year managed free. Definitely worth your time. Don't accept average. Okay. Um a final note on on this, uh, because I do have a couple other things I want to bring up, especially a Just the liberals getting nailed again on fake news. Um, Hmm. Stefan Rowe, who has been Mifsud, Joseph Mifsud, the Maltese professor who originally meets with Papadopoulos and what I believe now to be a setup. The Democrats, the DNC, tried to subpoena Mifsud and couldn't find him and indicated uh, that he may be deceased. I told you on a show the other day that uh, you remember this, Joe, that I strongly doubted that story. And my experience in trying to locate criminals, bad guys, sources, and other things as a former federal agent is that if you are going to hide in today's world, you can only do so in a state-sponsored way. There's almost no way to hide from the network of financial, social media, email, and camera uh, video transactions that people make every day. It's almost impossible. You can only do it with state-sponsored help. As if on cue, uh, Chuck Ross, who does great work at The Daily Caller, uh, just hours after I published the podcast, I'm not saying he listened to my, he does his own good work. Don't Please don't mistake this for uh, me knocking Chuck. He's doing a tremendous work. But Chuck Ross has a piece up at The Daily Caller I'll have in the show notes today saying what, Joe? To his own sources that Stefan Rowe, Mifsud's buddy, is claiming that he is alive, of course, and that he has changed his identity, um, folks, Again, I just don't want you to think you're wasting your time here. I think Chuck Ross has done tremendous work on this. I think he knows more uh, than most people about this case. Mifsud is not uh, dead. I would be astonished if he was. Somebody is hiding Mifsud. The question you should be asking is, why not a full court press to find him? Because remember what I keep telling you. The key to this entire case is Joseph Mifsud. Mifsud is the first person to meet with Papadopoulos. Mifsud is the indicator if this is a Russian collusion scheme or if this is a Western intelligence collusion scheme. In other words, an effort by friendlies, Joe, intelligence friendlies to the United States to work with the United States to set up the Trump team. That mm-hmm. is the story. Because if Mifsud meets with Papadopoulos and it's a setup, then the case is a setup. If Mifsud meets with Papadopoulos and legitimately has Russian intel, and there was some exchange there, which everybody denies, by the way, of information about the Russians on Hillary, the case, would, the case would be real. Now, you may be asking yourself then, why is there not a full court press to find Mifsud? Because I'm telling you, Mifsud is not, in fact, was not transmitting information to the Trump team for, uh, regarding uh, Russian-held information. Does it make sense, Joe? They don't want to find Mifsud. Right. Somebody's hiding him. I'm not going to get into who it is because I can't confirm that. I'm just telling you, based on experience here, that somebody's helping Mifsud hide. Mm -hmm. He's not dead. I would be stunned if he is. Read the Chuck Ross piece. You can read the quote yourself. Okay. You know, one of the things that really infuriates me and gets on my nerves is... um, The endless efforts to attack Donald Trump with fake news that is so easily discredited um, that if you did even a modicum of research, you would figure it out. Now, um, small hat tip to CBS News, who actually did some investigative work on a story that has been getting moved around, because remember, the media's only interest right now, most of them, obviously not all of them, talking about CBS right now. But most people in the media, Joe, their only goal is to constantly pile on Donald Trump and find narratives, in other words, storylines. So the storyline now, Joe, is going to be Puerto Rico. That's why in the White House uh, Oval Uh, Office meeting yesterday with Brock Long, he was asked about Puerto Rico and not the response. Of, when I say Puerto Rico, I mean the hurricane response to Hurricane Maria right. and the the uh, the deaths and the, the death toll. Tragic. None. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe no no question about that. But why was Trump asked the question about Puerto Rico in a briefing about Hurricane Florence coming uh, coming ashore uh, this weekend to North Carolina? Because the media does narratives. That's what they do. The narrative is Trump is incompetent and could not respond properly to a hurricane event in Puerto Rico, despite the fact that the effort to rescue Puerto Rico, despite its broken electrical grid and its obviously isolated location being an island and not being surrounded by land and roads, made Puerto Rico a uniquely difficult hurricane rescue operation. See where I'm going with this show. The narrative, though, is Trump is incompetent, despite the evidence that that's not true, that there was a historic effort to save Puerto Rico hindered by incompetence on the ground, a failed electrical Mm -hmm. grid, a bankrupt island and just the pure geographics of it being an island. So to advance that story, the media is going to harp endlessly on Puerto Rico to, make, to get into another George Bush Katrina-like moment, showing how incompetent he is. Now, they can't do that with other hurricane responses because the people on the ground are generally happy with what the federal government did. Now, listen, I'm not suggesting that the federal government should play even a prominent role. These should be state and local responses. I live in Florida. The state and localities do it better. It's just a fact. Why send money to DC to send it back to Florida? Keep it here. I'm not yeah. arguing that. Cause some of you will email me and be like, Dan, why are you defending the federal government's response? They shouldn't be me involved in it. I agree. I agree. Should be maybe a coordination role, but that's it. I agree. I'm just suggesting to you that the attacks on Trump are going to magnify over the coming days, and you're going to hear, mark my words, take the check to the bank, cash it, spend the money, and invest it. The coming days, you are going to hear more and more about Puerto Rico. Now, to CBS's credit, what did they do? Astonishingly, they went to Puerto Rico, Joe, and started to look around. no oh. Started to look around to, they probably went to look around, by the way, initially probably to nail Trump to the look what's going on in Puerto Rico what they find they found that the San Juan mayor Carmen Yulia Cruz a liberal Democrat hack who hates Donald Trump and has done nothing but bash him remember her speech she's giving a speech about how there's no food aid Mm -hmm. in front of a bunch of pallets of food aid during the the (laughs) post-hurricane do you remember that Joe I do remember that. she's like there's no food aid here she's standing in front of pallets of food So CBS goes there probably to bash Trump actions. I don't know what they went there for. All right. So let me take that back. I don't don't want to do what liberals do to us. Maybe they went there to actually investigate the story. What did I find out, Joe? That in government facilities managed by the San Juan mayor, Carmen Yulia Cruz, who hates Trump and did nothing but whine and complain on television instead of actually helping. They found food rotting on pallets. Food rotting on... Joe, not a little bit of food, by the way. Right. I remember, yeah. Tons, pallets of food brought in to feed needy Puerto Ricans after Hurricane Maria. To feed them rotting in government parking lots managed by the same San Juan mayor who complained about Trump. Joe, the CBS report shows Mm -hmm. a runway, a short airplane runway, with millions not thousands, not hundreds of thousands, not hundreds, millions of bottles of water brought in in aid to provide water to needy Puerto Ricans after Hurricane Maria, sitting there on the runway a year later, totally unusable now. Oh. Totally, completely wasted. It is a damning expose. Now do you understand why Trump, listen, folks, you may disagree with the guy's approach. This is why I don't. People died in Puerto Rico. It is a a epic human tragedy. There's no disputing that, period, full stop. But that is not what the media is concerned about. The media is concerned about making a political argument, not a human tragedy argument. And the media's argument in the coming days is Donald Trump is incompetent. Look at Puerto Rico, despite the fact that CBS News themselves went to Puerto Rico, saw all this aid, saw all this water, saw the government efforts on the ground, and is now shockingly actually starting to report the facts that maybe the locals on the ground, Joe, really screwed the darn thing up. The story is stunning. In its level of honesty about what's going on. Again, I don't know what their motives were. But Geraldo Rivera himself, who is, you know, who, who he likes Trump sometimes, he doesn't like Trump other times, himself has been all over this San Juan mayor. The media is starting to shockingly come around a little bit on this Puerto Rico thing. Some of them, the far left hacks won't because they realize this is an indefensible position. Okay, one last uh, story um, I wanted to bring up because it shows just complete media disgusting dishonesty. Kamala Harris, who the Democrat senator from California, who is rapidly gaining a reputation as the most dishonest uh, senator up on the Hill, according to a Washington Examiner story today. Mm -hmm. She's running for president in 2020 and is just some of the stuff she says is so unbelievably dishonest and ethically challenged. You say to yourself, wow, even for politics, we're breaking the floor of new lows here. Joe Kavanaugh at the hearing, Supreme Court nominee Brett Kavanaugh at the hearing, Mm -hmm. when asked a question about a specific lawsuit, he was citing an objection to the providing of abortifacient drugs. So here's the quote from Kavanaugh. He was talking about a group's objection To having to provide to their employees abortifacient drugs. All right. Here's Kavanaugh's quote. And remember, when he says they, he's talking about the group. Mm -hmm. Kavanaugh. They said filling out the form would make them complicit in the provision of the abortion-inducing drugs that they were, as a religious matter, objected to. They. He's quoting the group. Planned Parenthood. These hacks responded by saying falsely. This is from the Washington Examiner piece on this. I have in the show notes again today. Kavanaugh referred to birth control, something more than 95 percent of women use in their lifetime as a, quote, abortion inducing drug. False, false, false. Totally, completely made up. Folks, again. How are you a Democrat anymore? How They are nothing but liars. We opened up the show talking about their disgusting position on the tax argument. How they're just lying to your face and you're just eating it up. Be honest for a minute. Now on Kavanaugh. He referred to them as abortion-inducing drugs. He is quoting a lawsuit. You complete dip. Kamala Harris piled on. Echoing Planned Parenthood's objection and releasing a deceptively edited video, Joe, notably omitting the words they said so that it looked like Kavanaugh was expressing his own personal opinion. Kavanaugh, however, was describing the argument made by Priests for Life, who in their brief to his court wrote about three categories of products they didn't want to provide or facilitate access to abortion-inducing drugs being one of them. These people are complete, total frauds, folks. I am imploring you, if you're a Democrat, have an ounce of intellectual honesty and dignity, and please just start to tell the truth so we can have honest political debates. Please, if you believe that tax cuts are a scam, say it. But acknowledge you blocked making them permanent. And acknowledge now that Tax Cuts 2.0 You don't want to make them permanent because you blocked it before and you'll block it again. That is an intellectually honest argument. It's the wrong argument. It's the economically wrong argument. Joe, do you see where I'm going with this? Sure. But it's an intellectually honest one. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge the fact that Brett Kavanaugh is most likely pro-life, strongly. That's fine. You can disagree with that. But acknowledge you lied. That Kamala Harris editing out they said and making it look like Kavanaugh said it is a complete, total, dishonest lie. You have to live in a moral or ethical vacuum to do something so sick. But she has no problem with it because that's who Kamala Harris is. Or else why would she put it out? It's just disgusting. Puerto Rico, one last thing. Acknowledge the fact you may not like Donald Trump. You may not like his bravado but insisting that Donald Trump didn't do everything he can through his administration. By the way, I disagree with the federal uh, response. It should be a state response. I'm telling you that. You don't have to agree with me. But simply sitting there claiming while they sent pallets of food and water in that they don't exist while they do, while also letting them rot in the back of government buildings you manage while attacking him is absolutely disgusting. This woman should resign stat. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. Thanks for all the clicks on my SpyGate article. I'll include it again in the show notes today. It has diagrams of all the players, little diagrams that makes all their connections so you can visually see how they're all connected. Please check it out. I'll put it in today's show notes. Um, It's long, but it is definitely worth your time, and it's a real good summary of what's in my book, which uh, I promise you'll love. Thanks for tuning in. I will talk to you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show.